Let's turn on my mic. Let's, that was me. My fault. Let's pray together. Father, meet with us. Pour your spirit out on us. Lord, teach us from your word and, and from your character. Let us learn what it is to walk in the ways that you call us to walk. To follow Jesus. To take out the way of the cross. That in all my ways and in all my life, we can be yours forevermore. Because of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so, y'all have picked a great day to come. So glad you're here because we're going to talk about suffering today. Anybody excited? All right. That's good. Um, we're, it, it gets even better. I'm not going to tell you how to avoid suffering. I'm going to tell you how to go through suffering. I didn't hear clapping or anything for those of you who are on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Who wants to clap for stuff like that? This, this isn't the kind of life we want, is it? We want it to be easy. I mean, we're Americans after all. It, it should be easy. Isn't that part of the dream? That when troubles come, we can kind of sidestep them and do something that makes us feel even better? Problem is, life, no matter how, try, how much you try and sidestep it, life does include suffering. Ah, but I'm a Christian. And I'd say, but Jesus promised that our lives would include suffering. In this life, you will have trouble, he said, right? And the way of the cross is a way of suffering. And if he didn't avoid it, what makes you think that we will, right? And we don't teach this. We're not good in, in the past generations as a culture of teaching this to our sons and daughters. And our sons and daughters, and maybe that was you, have grown up thinking that if it feels bad, it must be bad. Let's, get, let's leave it behind and find something else. But that's not the best thing that God has for us. And God very often takes us through the middle and the ick of the suffering. And that's his plan and his purpose. So let's talk about that and talk about that in, in an essence it says why. Um, Jesus who said you will have suffering said but take heart I've overcome the world. And he's overcome it not in a way that excludes us from suffering. But it's kind of like taking the teeth out of the lion. And the lion still has claws. And the lion is still strong. But the lion can't kill you. And so... Paul was able to write the Corinthians and say this, and this was, in, this was encouraging to the Corinthians. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Don't you love encouragement like that? We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down. But we're never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. The lion has claws, but he does not have teeth. Thanks be to God. As bad as it gets, it never gets as bad as it could be. Because the grace of God is with us. Because God takes even things like this and works something in us that couldn't be had any other way. Now, we're going to go through the account that we just heard from the gospel. It was from, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to be. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Now, this is also... Uh, related Matthew when he wrote his biography talked about it. Luke when he wrote his biography talked about this very same incident. So it's in three out of the four biographies that we have of Jesus. But today our reading was from Mark, so that's where we're going. Uh, I want you to to know a couple of things in background. Jesus has just been on a camping trip the night before with Peter, James, and John. They went on top of a mountain. There's a lot that happened there. You can read about it on your own time. But they come down the mountain and this starts and nobody is having a good day. Nobody in, in this account is having a good day. So when they returned to the other disciples, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, when they returned, they saw a large crowd surrounding the other disciples. And there are some teachers of the religious law who were there arguing with them. So there's contention going on. Right away, we find out the other disciples are having a bad day because the authorities are coming down on them. So what's going on? Probably because they had failed to heal a boy that needed healing, we, we come to find out. Have you ever had a bad day? You ever been there? Yeah, me too. You ever feel like a failure? You ever had those times when it seems like everybody's against you? That's their day. That's what they're going through. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. They ran to greet him. They're like, ooh, I've heard about him. Something's going to happen now. So they run over to greet him. And Jesus says, what's all the arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and he foams it in the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he gets rigid. Now, just as an aside... Just, I know very few of us in here have medical training, but how would we probably diagnose this today? Epilepsy. Right. And, and so, in this account, epilepsy is caused by an evil spirit. Now, am I saying epilepsy is always caused by an evil spirit? I don't know. Right? So I'm not saying that, but in this case, Jesus evidently saw the root cause of it as an evil spirit. So we're going to go with Jesus on this one for this time. We find out later the boy is also unable to hear, which also means he's unable to obey because hear and obey are the same word in Aramaic. And so he couldn't respond to directions. 
He couldn't do things for himself. He was deaf. He, he you know, and, and he was just on his own. Dad had no control over him except what he could physically do. I mean, so dad's having a bad day. The kid is obviously having a bad day. The disciples are having a bad day. The teachers of the law are, are up in arms because they're like, that's wrong, and they were having a bad day. Everybody's having a bad day here. Anybody ever been there? Maybe you've had years of chronic health issues. Maybe you're caring for somebody that's had years of chronic health issues. Maybe no matter how much you've tried to help in whatever situation you're in, it's like, I feel like I'm trying to hold the ocean back. Nothing's helping. So, Dad goes on, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Which means the disciples have given up. They got frustrated and stopped. Because if they were still trying, he'd say something like, I asked your disciples to cast it out and... So far, it ain't working. But they stopped. They gave up. They, and, and I want you to know the disciples knew that this was something they were supposed to be able to do. Because when they were first called away as, as the twelve who were going to be following their rabbi, Jesus had said, hey, I'm giving you some authority. I want you to go out and heal people and cast out spirits and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And they go out and they do it and... You know, they had a big party when they got back. It was a big deal. They knew that this was what they, this was in their job description. And it wasn't working and they gave up. And so they're frustrated and they don't know what's going on. You ever been in that situation where you just gave up? I mean, it's like, I don't know what else I can do. So Jesus said to them, and I think he's really saying this to the disciples. He's, everybody heard him, but he's talking to the disciples. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Is Jesus having a good day? No, he's not. He's like, guys... You should seriously? I mean, really? But his his big problem with them is, is what? What did he say they were? They were faithless. What does that mean? Does that mean they didn't believe they should be healing people? No, that's not what that means. What does it mean? A lack of faith. What does that mean? What do you mean no trust? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but what do you mean no trust? They trusted. They'd been trying to do this. They trusted. They gave up. Because faithless means you stop doing. If you're faithful, if I'm faithful to my wife, does that mean I do it for a day and after that all bets are off? No, better not, right? I wouldn't be standing up here if that's what it meant. I'll tell you that. Faithful means you keep on. You keep on. One foot in front of the other. And you do not stop. If I ever stop being faithful to my wife, I won't see you anymore, I guess. I, I, you know, it's, it won't be pretty, right? Agreed? Any ladies out there agree with me? 
Yeah. Darn right. Faithful means you keep on. And Jesus said, you quit. It's not that they didn't believe. They believed. They'd done it already. This was their job description. But they gave up. They quit. So on top of everything else, poor disciples, not only are the scribes and Pharisees yelling at them, not only couldn't they do what's in their job description to do, not only are they frustrated, don't know what to do, have stopped, can't figure it out, everything's irritating them. Now Jesus is back and he's yelling at them. They're not having a good day. You ever had a day like that? (laughs) They're getting blamed. And Jesus says, because, uh, by the way, faith equals faithfulness. What you read as faith, we tend to think of as all up here, between our ears. No. Faith is faithfulness. It's not just that I believe I shouldn't commit adultery. It's that I don't commit adultery. That's what matters, right? It's what you do with it. It's, it's your faith. Faith always equals faithfulness. Whenever you read it in the Bible, faith equals faithfulness. So Jesus said, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, (laughs) it wasn't having a good day either. It it was aware of Jesus because it saw Jesus like, "Uh uh-oh, this is about to be over. I'm going to act out. It threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing, foaming at the mouth. It was aware of Jesus. This isn't the only time that things intensify and get worse when God gets involved. You ever had that experience? You, you, you're finally like, okay, it's time to do something about this. And you're praying, you're calling out to God. You're, you start trying to do the right thing and it gets worse. This got worse when God got involved, right? Don't be surprised. If it gets worse when you pray about it. Don't be surprised if it gets worse when you start trying to do the right thing and the right, and it blows up even more. Don't be surprised. This is the way it works. All too often. But this is the way it works. And if it happened that way for Jesus, guess what? It can happen that way for us. So Jesus said, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. All his life. The spirit often throws him into the fire. Or into the water. It's trying to kill him. Every day I'm trying to save my son's life. Every day I have to look out and see what's around and who's cooking and, and where the water trough is. And every day, have mercy on us and help us, if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person has faith. It's the same word. I mean, in in English, we've used a different word, but 
It's the same word. It's faith. Anything's possible if you have faith. Does that mean you can just believe all the right things and it's all going to go good for you? You have to do it, don't you? Because pistueo is the Greek, but it means faith, which means faithfulness. Anything is possible if you don't give up doing the right thing. Anything is possible if you won't quit following God. Anything is possible if you will faithfully keep seeking after him and putting into practice what he tells you to do. Anything is possible then. And the father cried out, I I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That doesn't mean doubt, like I'm not really sure if you can do this. That's not what that means. A pistia means not faith, which means I'm just not faithful. I don't know how long I can keep this up. It means I'm tired. You ever been there? It means I'm stopping. It means like I feel like I'm beating my head on a brick wall. It means like no matter what I do, I'm still in debt. It means I can't fix this relationship. And, and I don't know if I have what it takes. That's what it means. We, we tend to pretty it up. It's, it's not pretty. When you're suffering out there, it's not pretty. And the biggest thing that you're tempted to do when you're suffering is to stop. Just stop. It's not worth it anymore. It would just be better if we went ahead and separated. It would be... I can't lose the weight. I'm just, whatever. I'm just going to go ahead and eat that because it tastes good and I want it. Whatever, wherever your suffering is, doesn't it make you want to give up? And the Father knows that. He's like, you know, I'm doing everything I can just to keep on keeping on, but I'm at the end of my rope. Help me. You ever been there? Maybe you're there now. I don't know. And Jesus looks around. He sees that there are some people starting to gather. And I think he has pity on this dad. He's like, this isn't, this really wasn't meant to be a public thing. It just is. And so he immediately, he just goes ahead and rebukes the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. That's who I'm talking to right now. I'm getting down to the very root of the problem. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Do things get better or worse? How is that possible? I mean, this is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. And it got worse. Don't be surprised that even when God is starting to actively work in your life, you're going to go through a time where it seems like it's getting even worse. Don't be surprised and don't give up. Here's what happened. The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion. And then it left. 
I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you will go through. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world. This was a battle. And whether you realize it or not, you're in a battle that's going on around you all the time. There's the Lord who is taking over this planet and this universe again in a way that his kingdom is, is coming again and will be here completely one day. But in the meantime, there's a battle going on because there's an enemy of the Lord God Almighty and of you and me who is trying everything he can to take as many down with him as he can, to dishearten as many of us as he can. Jesus believed it's real, so I'm going to believe it's real, okay? I'm just going to go with him on that. And you're in a battle. And so don't be surprised that when you call upon God, the enemy says, uh-oh, intensify it. And then God comes to get involved in it and rolls up his sleeves and starts stepping in right next to you. And the enemy's like, uh-oh, do something. Don't be surprised. It, we do not live in a world where we can just pray and the birds come out and it's Disney again. We live in a battle. And if we can realize that that's really the truth of where we are, we can have joy in it. Because we can realize that God, you know, it's, it's mop-up duty. We're at that stage of the battle. It's mop-up duty. The power's already been broken, but there's still these skirmishes that go on. But guess, we know who wins. And we know that even if we lose the greatest thing we could lose, we still win. And it, but that's, you can have joy if you know you're in a battle. If you don't know you're in a battle, you're just going to keep on getting beat up and not understand what's going on. Ephesians 6, Paul writes to a group of people to, to make sure that they know what's going on. He's, he's telling them we're in a battle against rulers. We're in a battle against authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness. We're in a battle against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's, our, that's what's going on around you. Don't be surprised at what comes over the news. We're in a battle. Don't be surprised at the way people react. They're in a battle. But the Lord of Heaven's armies is fighting on our side. You might get prayer for something and what was bad gets worse. It gets worse financially. Your health gets worse. Your relationship gets worse. The job gets worse because of these unseen forces. They want to drag you away from what God is calling you to. They want to drag you away from God himself. So the heat goes up. 
got worse for this dad. The boy appeared to be dead. Can you imagine what went through dad's mind at this point? I thought you were going to help. Right? A murmur ran through the crowd. People, everybody thought he was like, he's dead. It, It just got worse for the dad. Just got worse for Jesus. You ever had a bad day? It's a bad day. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the things that you're laying before the Lord's feet and you're calling out and saying, I don't know how I can do any any more with this. And, And you get the sense that God's getting involved and then it dies. Whatever it is, you get fired from the job. You, you, the chemo doesn't. Your counts are going up. Your your hopes and dreams are dashed. The check bounces that you're trying not to bounce, and it bounces. Don't be surprised when it gets worse. Don't be surprised that you get to a point where it seems like it's over, rover. Before, all you needed was a little bit of help. And now, look, it doesn't even matter anymore. You ever been there? This dad was there. It doesn't look like healing is going to help anymore, does it? Healing doesn't help when you're dead. Can't put a Band-Aid on that. Don't bother the teacher anymore. This is a bunch of ex-slaves walking out of Egypt. And and then they run into a roadblock at a dead-end road where they can't go any farther because it's a sea. They can't go to the left or the right because there are mountains. And they look up and here comes Pharaoh bearing down on them ready to kill them. It's over. It's done. They can't go around it. And they can't go through it. And there are times that we find ourselves in that dead end, aren't there? You might be there now. You might have been there. In this world, you'll have suffering for some reason. It seems like we get cornered in that dead end and our hopes are dashed. And that's when God opens up a way. But he opens up a way where you have to go through. You can't go around. You can't escape it. You've just got to go through the middle of it. And that seems to be God's way a lot of the time. But Jesus took the boy by the hand and he helped him up to his feet and he stood up. And he was healed. He was fine. He was fine. But it took everything going to that point because we're in a battle. It took him looking like it was dead. And then they got to see the glory of God. Then they got to see the deliverance. Then at the last moment is when God said, Moses, stick your your, your, uh, staff out over the water and 
I'll make a way through it. You have to go through it. A lot of times you just have to go through it. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, you know, you told us to do stuff like this. Why, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus said, this kind can only be cast out by earnest prayer. You know what earnest prayer looks like? Does it look like, oh God, help me out. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. And, and then going on your way and that's all you ever prayed? Does earnest prayer probably looks a lot more like every day I'm on my knees calling out. Every night this is on my list. Every morning when I get up, I'm like, God, help this. Pay attention to that. Remember me. Remember her. Remember them. Jesus said it takes earnest prayer. That's the same description of how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that description of how Jesus was praying so earnestly that he was sweating blood? That sounds pretty earnest to me. That doesn't sound like, well, I guess I should toss up a prayer, you know, and then sit on the bench. No. This, this, it, it takes something. It takes some persistence. It takes coming after God. It's just more than a please, oh, please, well, that didn't work kind of prayer. If Think back to, to being a teenager. Some of you are, are there. And, and there he is. There she is. That's the one. I'd, oh, my goodness. I could just go out with them. Do you just give up the first time they say, no, I'm busy this Friday? Or do you keep on? Well, I'd say keep on, right? Be earnest. If you want to know God, if you want God to save you and take you through the troubles of the, to the other side, don't quit. Be earnest. Don't give up. Don't let your heart get hard. Don't get to the point where you just throw in the towel. Don't. God will take you through it much more often than he'll take you around it so you don't have to worry about it. This really comes out even more when we look through Matthew who talked about it. He said, if you have faith, and what does that mean? Faithfulness like a grain of mustard seed which starts out real small and eventually grows to be the biggest tree in the garden. If you have that kind of faithfulness where you'll just keep on and keep on and keep on, even when it doesn't look like it's going to amount to anything, but you keep on and keep on and keep on, you can do anything. Nothing will be impossible for you. God has not come into the world to do away with suffering. Otherwise, there would be no suffering in the world. God has come into the world to be present with us in the midst of it. We're all going to go through these times. We're all going to go through these seasons. When life is hard, when it's hard to follow Jesus, when it's hard to do the right thing, it's hard to run away, it would be just so much easier to give up. But 
Don't give up doing the right thing. Don't give up on God. Endure. Persevere. Keep on going. There's a phrase in Swahili. I talked with my friend uh, Reverend Philip this week and asked him about it. In Swahili, they'll say this as a reminder to themselves all the time in the church. They'll say, Mateso nim walimu. Mateso nim walimu. Mateso nim walimu. Suffering is a teacher. Suffering is a teacher. It's not a bad thing. James said the same thing. Jesus' brother, of all people, said, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. That's a gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open, and it shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Do you know how you get mature and well-developed? You let suffering do its work, and you don't give up. You go through it. You want to build big muscles? Guess what you have to do? You have to break down your muscles on a regular basis by working them so hard that they, they tear and it hurts and you're sore so that they heal and get bigger and you get stronger. That's what happens. Go through it. Don't give up. God wants to meet us in it to take us through it. This is something that um, Dallas Willard said in a, a book called Looking Like Jesus. He said, we must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. Wait a second. This awful thing is going on. You want me to look at it like this is God's blessing? He says, God is yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. Is that true? That's true. The only place that God can meet with you and bless you and bring his kingdom is where you are. And if you're in the middle of suffering, that's where God will meet you. He goes on. If we faithlessly discard situation after situation as not being right, we'll simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our life. You can't avoid these things. You have to go through them. We're not to try to get in a position to avoid trials. We're to see every event as an occasion in which the competence and faithfulness of God will be confirmed to us. That's a rather strong and heady and, and beautiful way of saying it's the midst of your trial. It's, it's when... It looks dead. It's the, when you're at the end of your rope and you think God is so far from this situation. No, that's actually where God wants to meet you and he will come close to you. No matter what you still have to go through, God will walk with you through it and will eventually get you to the other side. And in the meantime... You'll grow. You'll learn who he is. You'll learn that he is able. You'll learn that you can trust him in ways that you didn't know before. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. 
Jesus has overcome the world. And we won't be overcome. Can I pray for you? How about if we do this kind of Baptisty thing for a moment? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. If there is someone in here who you're in the middle of it right now, raise your hand. There's, uh, there's, don't open your eyes, but there's a number of us. Oh God, would you meet these people especially, especially these people who have raised their hands and called out to you and said, oh God, don't forget me. Don't forget us. Don't forget this. Would you meet with them right now and start to walk with them through this in a way that they recognize you're there? Would you cause the waters to part? Would you cause the spirits to go? God, would you cause the, the lion's mouths to be shut? Would you cause the fish to spit them out on the beach? This thing that they've been holding up before you, oh God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you'll overcome it. Because you are faithful even when we aren't. And God, help them and help us to be faithful like you are. And to keep on going. That we can see your deliverance. And rejoice again in who you are. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.